What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Hey, today is January 20th, 2021, and in case you've been living under a rock, I'll go ahead and tell you what's happening today. It's Inauguration Day in the United States of America. Now, we all know what took place in D.C. just a couple of weeks ago, and every single one of us should be and hopefully was deeply disturbed to see the attack on our nation's capital. Just as we've been heartbroken by the violence, the riots, the hatred, and the deep divide that we're all witnessing throughout this past year of 2020. So before we get into our show today, I just want to start by saying that my family and I, we're committing to pray for our nation like never before, and I want to encourage you to do the same. Now, here's where that gets difficult. Regardless of who you voted for, regardless of who won the election, would you join me in not only praying for our nation, but also praying for our nation's leaders? Here's the biggest prayer that I'm praying, and it's inspired by this scripture from 2 Chronicles chapter chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So join me in praying for our nation and our nation's leaders and most of all that we might see healing in our land. All right. I'm super excited about today's show. You know, speaking of Washington, D.C., we're just a few days away from another event that's taking place in our nation's capital. Thousands of people from around the world will once again travel to Washington, D.C., and this time hopefully in a much more peaceful display of what it looks like to stand up for what you believe and be an advocate for change. It's the March for Life. Now, when it comes to being an advocate for change, my guest today, she's on the front lines of this cause, telling her story in the hopes that lives will be changed and lives will be saved. A former high-level employee at Planned Parenthood, God opened her eyes and changed her heart, and now her story has turned into a book and the movie that's called Unplanned. I was asked to write a song for the movie, and we're going to dive into all of that today. Now, I ask you to open your eyes and open your heart and ask God what he wants to show you through today's conversation. Some conversations on this podcast will be uncomfortable. They may even be in contrast with how you think, believe, or feel. Now, personally, I am pro-life, but I realize many people don't share the same view that I do. And, and here's my prayer for this show. It's that it might be a platform to display what it looks like to speak up and stand up for what you believe and yet do so in a respectful and peaceful way. Lord, help us all in that effort. Amen. Most of all, Lord, help us to look more like you every single day. All right. Without further ado, let's go to the story house with Abby Johnson. Abby, thanks so much for being on the show today. I'm excited for you to share your story, but instead of starting at the beginning, I thought an interesting place to begin would be for you to share about the two nonprofit organizations that you've started, because they both really illustrate what you're passionate about and how God's using your story to impact culture. So talk about these nonprofit organizations you've started. Yeah. So um, one is, and then there were none. That was the first nonprofit that I started, and that's our outreach to abortion clinic workers. And then um, the second is called Pro Love Ministries. And that is a, that's an organization we seek to fill gaps in the pro-life movement. So uh, we currently have several different ministries. It's, it's an umbrella organization that fills gaps in the pro-life movement. So we have several different ministries that are housed underneath this umbrella ministry. Um, one is a crisis line for um, parents, single parents, parents that may be struggling um, with children. Um, you know, I mean, pregnancy centers are amazing, and they generally help families until children are two. Um, and that's that's their wheelhouse, right? But then what about when the children are five? What about when they're six? What about when they're 16? Um, and the parents need some help. So we're there to, to help families in those situations. Um, 
And we help with housing assistance and all kinds of things. I mean, we're really just sort of filling the gaps for those parents. We also have an international ministry um, where we partner with pregnancy centers internationally who need resources and help. Um, We partner with an orphanage in South Africa that houses over 640 African children. Um, That's a ministry called Love Beyond Borders um, that's housed underneath um, Pro-Love Ministries. Um, We have a a program called Mama Scholar, and that's a program that um, provides scholarships to single moms so that they can finish their educational goals. we have a lot of different ministries underneath Pro Love Ministries. So I love the names of both of your organizations. And then there were none, which I think I understand the significance behind that title, but you can mm-hmm. you can describe the heartbeat of it. You know, and then there were none was actually a that was a gap filling organization as well. Um you know, nobody was reaching out to abortion clinic workers. And I was like, well, somebody's gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so right. we started doing that as well. So, I mean, I think it was just coming from a unique perspective because yeah. I was sort of an outsider in looking into the pro-life movement. And so looking and, and seeing what we were doing really well and maybe where we needed some, some outside influence, you know? And that's probably a great place to begin. So you have this unique perspective. You're really uniquely equipped to know exactly how to serve and to love on on those who really need to be ministered to. Yeah, I I found that when I left Planned Parenthood, um, you know, I thought to myself, well, there there has to be other people like me. <laughs> I mean, there has to be other people who. Um, feel trapped, who feel stuck, who say to themselves, I want to leave, but who's going to help me? And we had, I mean, literally thousands of organizations to help women who were experiencing crisis pregnancies, um, women and men who had uh, gone through an abortion and were experiencing, uh, you know, hurt from, from being post-abortive. Um, I mean, we had ministries just that run the gamut uh, in the pro-life movement, Yeah. but nobody had ever really reached out to touch the heart of abortion clinic workers. And so I started looking around and, and I just, I thought, no, surely. I mean, gosh, at that time we had been fighting legal abortion for almost 40 years. And I thought, no, there has to be something. And so I started looking around right? and there was nothing. And so I really started praying and I was like, God, you know what? Please put it on somebody's heart to start an organization (laughs) (laughs) to reach abortion clinic workers. (laughs) That's awesome. What a dangerous prayer to pray. And I was like, you know, God, just do it, you know, just put it on somebody's heart. And, um, after praying that for a while, God was finally like, hey, like dummy, you know, <laughs> it's you. I'll tell you, Abby, I there's a there's a song that I sing every night on stage and it says, uh, I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now. And the, the point of the song goes on to say, so I turned my eyes to heaven and I said, God, why don't you do something? Yeah. And he, he said, I did. I created you. Exactly. So, you know, <laughs> you and I have both prayed those dangerous prayers yes. and seen, seen God turn and look right at us and say, I created you, Abby Johnson, to do that. Exactly. So I thought, oh, no, <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to do it. So, you know, I wrestled with God a little bit about that because um, sure. I thought, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know how to start a nonprofit. You know, I know how to run one. I did that successfully at Planned Parenthood, but to start it from the ground up, I don't know how to do that. So... You know, we wrestled a little bit, but um, finally got it started. And you know, I got to be honest. I mean, you know, when I was when I was really sort of just um, getting everything going, you know, I went to some of my friends in in the pro life movement, and I said, you know, I've got this idea. What do you think? And you know, they all just sort of patted me on my head and said, "Well, that's a that's a great idea, Abby," but nobody's going to come to you. I mean, nobody, nobody, you know, you just have to understand that some people are just too far gone. Wow. And I thought, well, (laughs) what about me? I mean, I wasn't, I mean, what about me? You know? And, and they all said, well, 
but Abby, you were different. And I thought, but I wasn't different. I was a sinner. I was a sinner in need of a savior. I was just like them. And, and so, you know, for people that know anything about me, I mean, when people tell me you can't do something (laughs) that just, I'm a little (laughs) stubborn. And so, um, you know, I'm Irish. What can I say? And so I really like dug my heels in. I was like, if you tell me I can't, then I'm going to do it. And so I got this started and, um, I really, I didn't know if it was going to work, you know, but I just kept thinking to myself, if you think that anyone is too far gone for the Lord to reach their heart, then we must not serve the same God because the God that I serve, I mean, he's kind of in the business of miracles. He is in the business of conversion. I mean, that's what he does. He delights in the conversion of heart. Yes. And, and so, you know, we just got it started and. Um, the first day that, that we, you know, really launched and we sent out this press release and we didn't know what we were doing, you know, it's me and my husband. And, um, that first day we got a phone call and from a worker and that first year we helped 53 workers leave the clinic. And we thought when we were budgeting, you know, we were budgeting with no money, which is sort of funny. Um, but we, you know, we, we thought, well, you know, let's, we're sort of doing it by faith. And we thought we would help 12 workers a year. And now <laughs> we're in our eighth year and we've helped almost 600 workers leave the business. And it's not just about getting them into another job. It's about getting them into a relationship with Christ. Um, yes. Because we're not just about being transactional. I don't want to just you know, get them, get them out and create a revolving door. I don't want to just get them out of the, that work. I want to create something transformational in their life. I want to transform their life. I want to, um, I want them to have an eternal change, not just an employment change. And I have a feeling you desire that for these women because you've seen both of those things take place in your life too, not just a career change, but a life change. I'm curious, how do you go about making contact uh, with these Planned Parenthood employees? How does that take place? So we send letters. We have a handwritten card ministry. You know, I'm Southern, so um, I, I so believe stationary. <laughs> I believe in in good stationery and a good heartfelt handwritten card. Well, you and my <laughs> wife would become fast friends. <laughs> so I think it's important, and um, and I tell you what, it's the most effective in reach that we do. Yeah. Um. So we have a team of really sweet ladies who send cards. They pray over them, and they send just sweet heartfelt messages. Um, handwritten on pretty stationery um, into every single clinic across the country. What would that stationery say? Um, so the the cards just um, they just have a, a little letter just written on them that just says, um, you know, it just has their name and it just says, you know, the name of the person writing the card and it just says, you know, I've been praying for you today um, for whoever's reading this card, hmm. and I want you to know that. Um, you're loved and that you're cared for and that we believe that there's a better job out there for you. And we want to help you find that job. Um, We don't believe that you grew up wanting to work in an abortion clinic. We believe that that God has an amazing plan for you and we want to help you find that plan. Um, So something like that. Um, And, uh, just whatever God sort of lays on their heart during during that prayer time. Now I'm picturing all these ladies sitting around your nonprofit's office with <laughs> with pretty stationery. I'm imagining they each have their own story to tell as well, like a reason why they're there, right? Yeah, you know, many of them are are women who have had abortions, and um, seeing the lives of of women leaving the abortion industry become changed has been such a healing opportunity for them. Um, but I tell you, one of the people that, you know, that sits around that table, one of the people that, that, you know, works for this ministry um, is, and one of the people who's, who's really one of my closest friends who now works for me, um, 
is one of the women who prayed for me every day out in front of my clinic. When you were running Planned Parenthood, this woman was one of the ones who was praying for you. Wow. That's incredible. And, uh, you know, she stood out there and she prayed for me, um, every day. And she worked for the coalition for life. And she was a college student at that time. And, um, you know, I was terrible to her. You know, I yelled at her. I cussed her out. I was, um, I was awful to her. And she faithfully stood there and prayed for me every day. And uh, when I left the clinic, she was the first person to befriend me. Mm. Um, and today she's one of my very best friends. Oh, that's and incredible. She sits around that table with me and she was the first person that I hired at, and then there were none. Um, and she has been, uh, you know, one of my greatest cheerleaders and advocates and, uh, one of my best friends. And, you know, that's, that's what God's love really looks like, you know, that it's, it's unconditional. She loved me when I worked at an abortion clinic and she loves me today. And I remember one time, um, after I left and, and, you know, the reporters were, were swarming, you know, and her name is Karen. And one of them, they were talking to one of the reporters was talking to Karen one day and they wanted just to, they wanted to get the dirt, right? Like what, what kind of person was Abby when she worked at the clinic? And I'm telling you, Karen could have given them some dirt. All the stories that they wanted, right? Because <laughs> you guys had some interactions that we were less than did. cordial. Wow. Yes. Okay. And she looked at them and she said to this reporter, she said, you know, I would love to help you. She said, but I don't really remember that person anymore. She said, what I know about Abby is that she is a new creation in Christ. And that's the only person that I want to talk about today. And that's exactly what God's love is. That's the perfect example of how God loves us. Those words had to mean the world to you too. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I tear up every time I talk about it now. And it's been 10 years. That's unbelievable. All right, Matthew West podcast listeners, I've got to tell you what the West family loves. We love Literati Kids. Literati Kids is a subscription book club that sends five beautiful children's books to your door each month, handpicked by experts. Now, it's tough sorting through the millions of kids' books released every year. You're trying to find rich, engaging stories for your child. Literati Kids takes care of that. Literati Kids has book clubs for children's ages 0 to 12, and each club has age-appropriate selections tailored to what your child needs. Now, each month, here's what you get. A box of five expertly chosen kids' books with themes like mystery, adventure, STEM, and history. These are soul-enriching books handpicked by leaders in child education. In addition to the incredible books, your kid's going to receive artwork from world-renowned artists, personalized stickers, which are so cool, and other fun goodies in each monthly box. You're not going to find this kind of expert curation anywhere else. Gift subscriptions are available for one, three, six, or 12 months of books. It's a great way to keep the holiday magic going through 2021. And unlike any other kids' book clubs, Literati Kids lets you try before you buy. You keep only the books your child loves and return the rest for free. So go to literati.com slash west for 25% off your first two orders and pick your kids' book club today. Remember, no one else has kids' book clubs like these. Only at literati.com slash west can you get 25% off your first two orders and receive five incredible kids' books curated by experts delivered to your door every month. That's literati.com slash west. What was it like when you sat down and began to tell this story for your memoir? Were you scared? I mean, was there a part of you that had reservations and fear about telling your whole story? You know, writing the book was pretty easy. I felt like I had so much to say 
And I felt like it was going to be a healing experience for me. So um, I was, I was eager to get that out, you know, and I, I thought, okay, I, I have so much to say. I have so much to dump out here. Um, and I wanted to expose it. You know, I, I thought I, I want this to, um, I, I mean, I guess I, I, the only thing that there was only one time where I was nervous about, uh, what I was going to share. And it was about my own abortions, Hmm. my own two abortions. I had actually written a book where I talked about my abortions and one where I didn't. Interesting. Two two, different versions of the same book. Two different versions of the book. And um, I had not told my parents. Now, I had been out of the clinic now for like a year. And I had been talking about the fact that I had had abortions publicly at some of these talks that I had been doing. But I had not told my parents. And I just, I didn't know how to tell them, you know, and, um, I just, all these times I had meant to tell them in person and I just chickened out. I just, you know, I didn't have the courage. And, um, finally the publishers, they said, Abby, we're going to print tomorrow and we need to know what version you're, you want to put out. And were and they encouraging you one way or the other, or were they, they being just saying, Hey, it's up to you. It's your no. decision. Yeah. They were just saying, we just need to know. And so I, I thought, Oh my gosh. And I was on the road, of course, mm. not the way I wanted to tell my parents, you know, I wanted to tell them in person, but I, I called my mom and, um, my dad wasn't there. And I, I just said, this is not how I wanted to tell you, but I just, I have to know. And I said, I have to tell you something. And I I said, I need you to make a decision. And, um, I told her that I had had two abortions and I said, I need you to decide if you want me to talk about them or not, because this is going to affect our family. I mean, my grandparents are going to read this and our family is going to read this. People at your church are going to read this. I mean, this, this affects everybody and I don't want to do anything that's going to embarrass you or embarrass our family. And so I, I, I need you to tell me which version you want me to put out. And she just, you know, she said, um, she said, Abby, it would be dishonest for you not to tell the whole story. (laughs) And she said, of course you have to talk about your abortions. And um, she said, our family's going to be fine. And she said, and honestly, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised. She said, we all knew that there had to be a reason that was keeping you there for so long. Interesting. And, and so, you know, and then she, she talked to my dad about it and, um, you know, we've talked about it since then. And, you know, I think there's, there's a there's definitely a feeling of loss there for my parents. I mean, my dad can't talk about it without crying. What was it that kept you from telling your parents for so long? I I, I didn't want to hurt them, hmm. and I knew this would be so hurtful for them. And um, you know, to this day, I mean, my dad. Anytime anybody brings up my two abortions, he just starts crying. Um, you know, I heard him say one time in an interview, somebody brought it up and he said, you know, I just, he said, I, I, I think about the two grandchildren that we don't have. Um, and, and that, uh, to know that my actions hurt my parents in that way, because I respect my parents so much. Um, that's, you know, that's hurtful. Um, and they're not they're not angry at me about yeah. it. You know, they're not mad about no. it. They're well did it feel like when your mom when your mom kind of gave her blessing for you to share the story, I love how she said it would be dishonest for you not to. In other words, she was she was giving you permission to 
tell the whole truth and nothing but yeah. the truth, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, the the good, the bad, the broken, right? Yeah. And 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 she knew the reason why she was doing that is because she knew how the Lord was going to use it. But I'm curious when she when she gave you that blessing, was there was that a moment that felt like healing for you in some way? Yeah, it definitely felt like relief. Um, I felt like I didn't have to hide any part of my story anymore. Um, it really, I felt like I had now just total permission to be completely honest. Um, and I knew that they would be, they could be an advocate for me now. So I, I didn't have to worry about, oh, what if my parents found out? What if, you know, what if somebody said, right. what if somebody from church says something to them? Right. I don't want them to be right. embarrassed. I knew that yeah. they would, they would be a strong advocate for me. And they have been, and they, you know, because they were part of the team. Yeah, were, because because there have been people from their church who have said, you know, things about me having an abortion, or you know, well, I just, you know, there. What people have said sometimes is they've said, well, I just don't know how you were just so quiet while she worked at Planned Parenthood, and my okay. mom has said to them, well, what what do you think I should have done? Do you think I should have <laughs> disowned her during that time? Do you right. think I should have told her, don't ever talk to me again? Right. What, what, do you, what would you have done? What do you think I should have done better? You know, um, it's easy for people to have an opinion when they haven't walked down that road. And so I needed to know that they were a part of, of my team, right? That they were going to come to my defense if somebody did come and make a, a snide remark um, or whatever it may be. And, and of course they were going to do that. I mean, they're amazing. And, that, and they continue to do that, don't and they? And they continue to do that. So Abby, it's so interesting. The fact that you're based in Austin, Texas, I have to tell you. So I, I was speaking at a conference and it was a women's conference. And I'm always incredibly uncomfortable when I get booked <laughs> to be like the only dude at a women's conference, right? <laughs> but occasionally it happens. And I always joke about, you know, I make up a song, something like, I don't think I've ever been in a room with so much estrogen. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> And it winds up just turning into this fun thing. But, and I always talk about how I live in a house full of women. My wife and I have two daughters. So maybe mm -hmm. the Lord has uniquely equipped me for a women's conference. But at any rate, there was a women's conference I was speaking at and I was sharing about the power of story. And I was sharing about my creative journey, collecting people's testimonies and stories and how I wrote songs inspired by them. And I shared kind of what I shared with you, just how we were talking about how God's going to speak through some chapters in your story that you might think have have no worth or value. Mm -hmm. And it's time to tell your story. Well, this woman named Jenny comes home from that concert and that conference and writes a letter and sends it to me. And she said, I heard you at this conference and I felt like the Lord speaking to me that it's finally time to, to set my secret free to tell my story. She went on to share about how 35 years ago, she terminated a pregnancy as a scared teenage kid, didn't want to tell her parents for fear of the judgment that she'd face from her parents and her church, grew up in a good Christian home. And so she said, I, I made the choice to fix my mistake is what she said. Yeah. She said, for 35 years, I've held this secret inside, never even told her husband who she's been married to at the time. She had been married for over 25 years. And she said, I, I just want to tell you about this and, and tell you because I've never told anybody. And, and she was just, you could tell she was still wrestling with it and how she, tr she said, I sat down to write this letter three times. And uh, <laughs> so it made me think about that, how you were talking about having two versions of your yeah. book. This woman had two versions of her story. And of she finally life. sent, exactly. And then yes. she finally sent me. She finally sent me the actual story that told the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Little did she know that I would read the story, start crying while I'm reading it, just hearing and immediately hearing these words, the healing has begun. Mm -hmm. And I started writing a song for this woman, Ginny. So I finished the song. I called Ginny and Abby, check this out. I call her. I get her phone number. She's freaked out that I called anyways. I said, Ginny, do you know who I am? Yes. I said, well, do you remember sending your story to me? Yes. I said, well, I want to tell you, Ginny, I, I wrote a song for you and it's going to be on my record. And she got real quiet. And I said, Ginny, can I just ask you a question? 
I just want to know why, after 35 years of keeping this heavy secret with you, of all people, why did you choose to share it with me? She got real quiet and she said, well, to be honest, I never thought you'd actually read it. (laughs) It just felt good to get it off my, my chest. And then she started crying, Abby. She started crying and she said, but I'm so glad you did because I don't have a secret anymore. And that secret was a heavy thing to carry. The Lord's using Ginny right now, and she volunteers at a crisis pregnancy center. And and, and it's just been such a powerful thing for me to experience. And, and the reason I tell you that, Abby, is because I feel like in a really special and unique way, perhaps the Lord had been preparing me for a phone call that I would get years later from the producers of a film that was going to tell your story the story of Unplanned. And they said, hey, would you consider writing a song? A little bit later, I'm going to be sharing a bit more of the song. And I just think it's so cool how God has been orchestrating this. And now we get to speak to each other. Here's what I want to ask. I am willing to bet that there's somebody listening to this right now who wants to believe that God's forgiveness is real, but they're having a hard time letting themselves off the hook. We know, just like Ginny's story, the shame is real. What would you say to that person who hasn't found the freedom and the healing that comes from accepting God's forgiveness for our past mistakes? You know, um, people ask me all the time, you know, Abby, how did you you let go of your past? And I, I tell them honestly that it took time and it took practice. You know, I, I woke up every day and I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision whether I wanted to live in my past, the place uh, that I, I could not change, the place where Satan wanted me to stay. I mean, our past is where Satan wants us to live He because that's where he plays. And um, he wants to remind us of who we were and the things that we have done And he wants to keep us bound with shame. And uh, I, you know, I had to make a decision. Is that where I want to live? Or do I want to live today in the present with the Lord in this gift that he's given me? And, you know, I'll be honest with you. Some days I made the wrong choice. You know, some days I chose to to wake up and I lived in the past and I Mm -hmm. wallowed all day and I, felt sorry for myself and I, I decided to live in the shame and I drank too much wine and I just, I didn't live with the Lord. And, right. but most days I chose to get up and I chose to live in this present day, in this gift. And eventually I woke up and I didn't even have to choose. I just knew that I wanted to live with God every single day. And man, when I made that decision, this peace came into me that is really, you can't even explain it. Um, but you know, people talk about this, the unburdening of our sin. And they say, you know, it feels like, you know, all these rocks have been, you know, lifted off of your back. And it, it really does feel like that. I mean, it really does feel like your soul has been lifted. And there's this just inexplicable joy that comes into your heart. And it doesn't mean that you don't have hard days. It doesn't mean that you don't cry anymore. It doesn't mean that you don't forget mm-hmm. where you have been. That's not what it means. Um, but it means that when those hard days come, yeah, you know that you turn to the foot of the cross. That, that you so, you don't yeah. turn back into the place of shame, that you turn to Christ and to his forgiveness. Hmm. I'm curious, since the book came out, the book turns into a movie, 
you know, I would imagine any the fear that made you write two versions of your mm-hmm. book had to be uh, rushing back in waves when the movie got closer <laughs> and closer to being finished because now now somebody's going to be sitting in a theater eating popcorn or or sitting at home on demand. Obviously, the reach is going to be multiplied like crazy and your story is about to impact culture in a powerful way that fear had to come back on on probably unprecedented levels to some extent i would imagine right yeah i mean i you know in the beginning when i was originally asked if i was interested in doing a movie i mean i immediately said no i'm not at all interested in doing a movie i have been vulnerable enough i've written a book I share my story all around the world. I write, I blog, I do all the things, (laughs) you know, I am not interested in being any more vulnerable. Um, And then my husband was like, well, have you prayed about it? You know, and I was like, "Ugh, shut it. And uh, (laughs) so then, uh, you know, we finally started praying about it. And I did really feel like the Lord was asking me to, you know, consider it. And so um, we ended up, you know, going ahead and moving forward. And I felt pretty good about it. And um, then they got the the first uh, sort of the the rough edit done. And um, one of the producers came to my home in Austin and uh, for me to see, you know, the first, the first cut. And uh, nobody had seen it. I was the, you know, Doug and I were the first set of eyes that were going to look at it. And we're sitting there watching it and it was, you know, it was good. And they left and I remember looking at Doug and I said, I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Sure. I mean, can we, can we back it up? I don't, you know, and I'm like, I mean, panicking because I felt very exposed. I mean, I told Doug, I said, I just, I feel naked. I I feel Mm. like everybody has seen the absolute worst version of myself. It's it's one thing to tell your story. It's another thing for people to see it on a screen. Yeah. Uh, to visually see it. And just, oh my gosh. I mean, to see the worst version of who I was. And so was your husband I, I, really instrumental in kind of talking you? He down was. From he the sort of, you know, bit? he was like, Abby, he just he looked at me and he said, Remember why you're doing this. And I thought, you're right. It's not about me. I I never agreed to do this film so that Abby Johnson would be famous or that so that Abby Johnson would be a household name. I did this film so that every household in America would know that God's redemption is real and that it's possible. That if God could forgive Abby Johnson, a person who helped to facilitate over 22,000 abortions, that God can forgive any and every sinner. And so I just had to keep reminding myself, it's not about me. It's about God. It's about his love, his redemption. I'm curious to hear what some of the feedback has been from the book and the movie, the backlash, the good, the bad, the praise reports. What's taken place since this has all happened? Well, I mean, anytime you are, um, I believe, a, 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 you know, an agent of change, right? And especially uh, someone who's countercultural and, and standing up for the Lord and uh, for his truth, the, you know, the truth is going to be countercultural today. And, and anytime you do that, you're going to receive a lot of haters. <laughs> And so that's, that's something that I get every day, uh, on a daily basis, all day long, all over my Twitter feed, all over, you know, all over Facebook. That's just, that's just sort of par for the course, but I consider it a blessing. I mean, the Bible says anytime that we're persecuted in the name of Christ, then we are blessed. So I I feel like that scripture, as you said that, you know, it's, it's a badge of honor and, um, you know, I'm honored to do this work, uh, for him. And, uh, so I'm okay with that. You know, um, certainly it is a a controversial topic. It shouldn't be, 
um, defending life, uh, you know, the most innocent among us, uh, that shouldn't be controversial. It should be the least controversial thing in the world. Well Um, said, well said. But, uh, you know, even just yesterday, we had a woman who contacted us through our crisis line uh, called Loveline, and she was um, really in the valley of decision, trying to make a decision on whether she was going to have an abortion or not. She was 12 weeks pregnant and uh, she was, you know, really struggling with her decision. And she was talking with, with one of our, one of our advocates and um, she ended up watching unplanned and because of unplanned, she made a solid decision for life. And, you know, the film has been out for over a year now but that film, because of God's power, because uh, of his message that is proclaimed throughout the film, because the Holy Spirit is still moving through that film, lives are being changed and lives are being saved. And that was the whole reason that I agreed to make the film. And, you know, he, God and, and his message is still being honored. Uh, through it. And, you know, lives are, are being changed. I still get messages from people uh, today who say, you know, I, I watched your movie. I watched it as a, to be a critic. I watched it. I, you know, I was pro-choice. I, I watched it to make fun of it. And when I turned off the TV, I was pro-life. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what Jesus is all about. I mean, that's changing awesome. hearts. And that's how we change our culture from being a culture of death to one that's a culture of life. Abby Johnson, I'm so thankful that we had this opportunity to get together. We're going to post links to your nonprofit ministries at the official podcast page at matthewwest.com slash podcast. Your memoir is probably available everywhere, right? It's everywhere, yes. <laughs> and the movie Unplanned is uh, is in is on demand anywhere. You probably want to watch that too, right? Yeah, it's it's actually um, now it's free for Amazon Prime. Um, it's also in Target, Walmart. It's online everywhere. So, yeah. It's great. Well, Abby, keep up the great work. And, and thanks for giving us some time and for sharing your story. It's just a, it's a really powerful thing. And, and I'm so thankful that we got the chance to chat. Yes. Thank you so much, Matthew, for all that you do. Hey, now it's time for songs from the story house. Today's song from the story house is called Unplanned. Just happen by chance As long as my God holds the world in His hands I know that there's no such thing as unplanned One of the producers of the film Unplanned, Joe Knopp, called me and said, Hey, I know how you love to tell the stories of people's lives with your songs, so I wanted to come to you first because I think you could tell the story of the unborn in a song. Now, I had to pause for a second, not because... I don't believe in the sanctity of life, but because I knew writing a song and associating myself with a controversial topic like this might mean that I would face some criticism or what my kids would say, some haters. But then I started to remember the moments in the delivery room with my wife when our two daughters, Lulu and Delaney, were born. And I started to write from that delivery room. That picture in my head is what inspired these words from my heart. I'm looking at a masterpiece I'm staring at a work of art I'm listening to a symphony In every beat of your tiny heart You used to be a choice to make But now I think you've chosen me Cause I see ten fingers, ten toes, two eyes And I know this is meant to be Now, the second verse of this song is really from the perspective of someone who's having an aha moment, really rejoicing in the fact that they chose life. Ever since my daughters were born, my wife and I said on so many occasions, I can't even imagine life without them on this earth. Well, that's the sentiment that inspired this second verse. Choosing life means wondering about the possibilities instead of wondering what might have been. Single breath you breathe 
this destiny love has brought to life I thought it was my story's end But now the future's all I see Instead of asking who you might have been I'm wondering who you're gonna be For this next part of the song, I brought some children, including my own daughters, in to read these words from Psalm 139 a reminder that we are God's idea. Every child is made in the image of God, and God does not make a mistake. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, here I saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Every life deserves a voice Every child deserves a chance You are more than just a choice There's no such thing Now the message of this song is simple and yet really so complicated in the world in which we live. Every life deserves a voice. Every child deserves a chance. You are more than just a choice. There's no such thing as unplanned. Every life deserves a voice Every child deserves a chance You are more than just a choice Cause there's no such thing as unplanned He's my dad, and he always gives a good word of advice, and that's why this last segment of every show is called Dad Vice. He is my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, thanks for being here. As always, you and I decided that for the first couple of months of the new year, we would focus this final portion of the show around two words, brand new. We've had a hard year behind us, and we are excited to see God do a new thing in our lives and in our world in 2021. So what have you got for us today? Well, I have today a brand new look at yourself. And the beginning of every year is a good time to take a good look at yourself Uh, As you know, Matthew, we get many prayer requests, and a lot of them talk about their struggle in relationships. And here's just a few. Jack said he was struggling in his marriage. Diane said she was struggling with her relationship with her sister. Brenda was having problems with her relationship with her daughter. Daniel was having problems getting along with a co-worker. And we know that those things happen a lot. But 2020 probably put a strain on many relationships more than we could ever realize, and it caused some wounds to flare up. Uh, When relations struggle or fail, two things happen. Someone gets blamed. Someone has to change. And God has a plan for us individually. And here it goes like this. Number one, take a good look inside yourself. Maybe we need to, at beginning a new year, realize that we've been blaming others too much and that we need to look inside ourselves. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 7, 3, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Right, and right. He, uh, he really comes home at people that were looking at someone else's problems instead of their own. And then, of course, you're familiar with John 8 about the woman caught in adultery. And we know that story. And Jesus uh, said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. So one of the hardest things to do is to take responsibility for our own mistakes and our own faults. So we need to take a look inside ourselves. And then secondly, we need to realize that we can't change anyone. We need to realize the danger of shifting the blame is that then we want to change other people instead of seeing ourselves change. We need to remember that none of us can change 
anyone. A husband can't change his wife. A wife can't change his husband. Here's a good quote. Don't try to change people. It won't work. And they will only end up resenting you. Only God can change people. And then the last point, ask God to change you. One of the hardest prayers to pray is, Lord, change me. And here's our scripture verse and prayer, Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In other words, change me, Lord. Do a work in me. Three things we need to consider as we go into 2021 in our relationships. One, take a brand new look at others. Two, you can't change others and ask God to change you. That's a great message for our world right now. As divided as we all seem to be, we can be tempted, Dad, to convince the other side that they're wrong and they need to change. And we think we can do that in a Facebook post, right, or whatever it may be. But let us remember to let the change start with us. God help us all in that this year in 2021. Thanks, Dad. Well, you guys, that's our show for today. I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank my guest, Abby Johnson, for sharing her story I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. at the March for Life performing that song, Unplanned. Abby's going to be speaking, uh, so I ask that you just pray for us for safety and for God to give us the right words to speak, all right? Uh, You can find out more about Abby Johnson at the official podcast page, which is matthewwest.com slash podcast. We'll post a link to the movie, post a link to the music video for the song. It's a powerful music video, so be sure to check it out. As always, I want to thank my dad, Reverend Joseph West, for joining me on Dad Vice. He always brings an awesome word. We've got a ministry called Pop We. I'm going to post a link at the podcast page, but we'd love to send you a free weekly email devotional. It's called Day One Devos. It'll help get you fired up every week to remember to spend time with Jesus. Last but not least, if you love the podcast, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen to it post it on social media tell somebody who you think needs to hear today's episodes or any of the episodes you've loved spread the word i appreciate all the support now go make the most of the one life you get it's your story for his glory i'll see you next week Seriously, I, I, I do.